Welcome to Fantasy Sports Daily with Kyle Frank and Ray Flowers, Monday through Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Don't forget to use the promo code FSD20 for a 20% discount on the products over at FantasyGuru.com. It's a uh, bit of a breather day around here at Fantasy Sports Daily. We welcome you in on a Wednesday, Kyle Alfink and Ray Flowers. Ray, though, is a guy who never takes a breather. In fact, uh, he is in the uh, thick of it when it comes to prepping you for the upcoming baseball season, helping to uh, tidy things up as we leave the football season. Great to have everyone along board, and Ray especially, great to have you on board how are things going on Utah Street in Baltimore today? Uh, doing good, Kyle. And you'll remember that. We were there together ourselves. Uh, we went out to the uh, the game there. We saw Mike Trout's, was it second game? Right? We, we missed his first game by we, uh, we, we missed his first major league home run by a day. Oh, that was a home run. Okay. We, we went on a Saturday night. Right. When Ray Flowers will tell you he felt like he was watching a ball game from the surface of the sun. Yeah. Um, so we went Saturday night. And then Sunday, the following Sunday, the next day, he hit his, I, I believe, double-check me on this. Right. That was his first Major League home okay. run. We kind of screwed that up. That would be a cool thing to have said, Ray, that you saw Mike Trout's first ever MLB home run. It would have been, and unfortunately it wasn't the case. Uh, but we got a tour of the stadium, so that was cool. We, we, we had the whole experience. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, was it 98 degrees at 7 o'clock at night? I think it was 98 um, degrees. Yeah, I, I believe I've got my scorecard from that okay. game. And I always write down the temperature right. and the weather. I don't have it with me. I will check today and okay. get back to you tomorrow. But it, it was close to 100 yeah. on the mercury. And uh, with the humidity, it was probably 110 at 7 o'clock. At 7 o'clock at night. And I think <laughs> at some point I just stood up and said, who who could live? Why would anyone live in this? Or What was it? What did I say? Something like, what can you do? Colorful. It was much more colorful than that. Yeah, I won't uh, spill the yeah, beans. But it's like, my God, how do you people live like this? This is absolutely ridiculous. But yeah, that's a photo. Over, when was that? That was, so that was 2011? Whenever Mike Trout's first year was. Yeah, was that up? Was that it was a long time ago. It was our first trip. Uh, Kyle and I, you know, working for SiriusXM, wanted to go out and meet everyone. Kind of see the crew, kind of get it. 2011, Kyle. Yep. Okay. Yeah, there it is. I'll pull up that scorecard. Maybe tomorrow I'll come with it. We can okay. take a look at who was in that lineup and who was actually uh, around. Golly, 13 years ago. Ugh, 13 years ago, I've been hanging around with Ray Flower. Even more than that, honestly. Um, good to have you with us, FSD. Thanks to everybody jumping in the chat room. If you'd like to comment on anything, any questions uh, via X, via Facebook, via YouTube. Uh, a huge thank you to everybody who downloads us and listens to the audio version of this at your leisure. Always appreciate you and certainly the people who jump in live. I know we've got some regulars there. So always a, a big thank you to uh, those of you out there that do hang out with us. As I said, today's kind of a bridge day. Um, you know, it's it's not, you know, we're not recapping any football and we're not truly jumping into the next weekend. It's kind of a spot where we can uh, take a breather and look at a few items. So we do have some football, but also a lot of baseball coming your way. Mention the draft guide. Uh, Ray, it is out. It is available. People should check it out at their at this very moment if they can. And they should take advantage of, in effect, a season's worth of season-long advice for 40 bucks, right? That's absolutely right. It's $50 if you don't use the promo code, but you're here with us. So why wouldn't you use the promo code that you hear every day? It's FSD20. FSD20. Get you the 20% discount, drops it down to $40. As Kyle said, that covers you from now to the end of the season. It's not a draft guide per se. We we sell it as a draft guide because that's the nomenclature of the, the industry, but it is a full season product. 
So you'll get hundreds of articles. You'll get everything that we have access to live stream, rankings, auction values, all that good stuff. So go to fantasyguru.com, click that join now tab in the top right-hand corner. Uh, there's also a video if you want to go to my Twitter feed at the Ray Flowers, a little two-minute video describing how things are. And it's also located on our YouTube page, youtube.com slash at Elite Plus Network. Okay, so uh, do check it out. And uh, we what we will be doing over the, gosh, next two and a half months is uh, kind of going through that draft guide and picking and choosing a few articles that uh, pique our interest today. You can see it there, MLB post-hype sleepers. So uh, we will touch on that before we get out of here. We'll begin with some football, though. We'll have our first check at the spreads and the totals for this weekend. A couple of games on Saturday, two more on Sunday. We'll get you set for those. Uh, we've got more coaching news. It sounds like the Atlanta Falcons are kind of serious about finding a legitimate head coach. Uh, that's what Arthur Smith will do to you. Uh, you move on from him and you're like, okay, we got to pay up. So we'll tell you what the Falcons are up to. Also last week, we uh, started to take a look back at 2023 for the quarterback position. Uh, today we will delve into the running back position, which I must say, we're going to talk hits and misses. We'll look at this list, Ray, of RB1's top 12 guys. And what I found as I was putting this together is outside of the guy at the top, you know, Christian McCaffrey. Literally, like from two to 12, Ray, every guy was like, okay, it was good, but he was also kind of weak here, or he didn't do what I thought here, or every game was not a hit, or I actually feel a little below average on this player. That I, and, and it's fast. I've never really felt that way when looking at great running backs in a single season. We think to ourselves, wow, I got an RB1. He was great. I think when we reveal this list and kind of go through it in a PPR setup, people might be surprised. Uh, we'll hit the misses as well. But but really, Ray, those hits, I mean, the guys did well. But I look at this list of names, and all of them kind of have not a, a super positive connotation with their name after the year that was. Yeah, we spent all season long talking about the NFL and the fact that offense was down in 2023. And it was also down at the running back position. If you look at 2022 – there were four running backs that scored 300 points. This year, there was one. So there was less at the top end. Uh, there was the top end in McCaffrey and then kind of everybody else. So he dwarfed the competition this year because the competition pulled back. And it is surprising to look at this list and to think that there were times, various points of the season, that probably half of the top 12, like we were fielding legitimate questions about people yeah. wanting to start these guys mm -hmm. <laughs> in week 13 or week 9 or wherever the hell it was. So it'll be, it'll be really interesting to, to kind of review it to say that, look, as we've said all along, you play every week, you get 14, 15 touches every week, you're going to be a good running back just a matter of how high you finish. And and Ray, I wonder, you're, you're the guy who digs up these numbers, that gap between McCaffrey and everybody else, have we ever had something that, maybe the Priest Holmes and Marshall Falk years, but, or Tomlinson, but... Gosh, even then, like when Tomlinson was doing his thing, he still had, say, a Priest Holmes or whatever. It seems like there was always, I mean, this gap, it's 100 points between McCaffrey at the top and Brees Hall at number two, 100. Mm -hmm. And we always talk about this in the preseason, the difference between the top running back and like running back 12, which right. remember, running back 12 is still an RB1. Ray, the gap this year is 160 points, 10 points a week. <laughs> that that's why we and again i get it guys can get injured guys can disappoint you know the austin eckler person is screaming at us saying guys i dropped an eckler and he blew up in my face i get it but man if you find that guy if you get lucky enough to keep him healthy 
It can be dramatic, and it was dramatic for McCaffrey this season. So we'll dig into that coming up in just a bit. Uh, let's start with what we've still got going on, Ray, which uh, is indeed the playoffs. We're down to eight teams, and yes, Tampa Bay is one of them. I, I'm hearing rumblings, Ray, that the Bucks may have a shot here. I'm not feeling it. Are you? They, they go to Detroit. Uh, they're playing Sunday afternoon, 3 o'clock. Lions are favored by six and a half. I, I, I like the Lions to cover that against the Bucs. Do, do you think, could we possibly have an NFC championship game with Tampa? And might I remind you, if Green Bay were to upset San Francisco, Ray, Tampa would be hosting the NFC championship game if, if they won and Green Bay won. <laughs> That's scary. Let's hope that doesn't happen. Scary. Woo. Um, I think, did you see Todd Bowles got a question yesterday about preparing for the weather in Detroit? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, they play in a dome. Um, How did he answer that? <laughs> he just went. Well, we're we don't have to worry about humidity. It's going to be seventy-two degrees, so I think our guys will be ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> right. Next question. Uh, yeah, I think that you have to look at this game and say that the Lions are a more complete football team. They're the more explosive football team. They're playing at home. Um, you know, you can create scenarios, obviously, as as the Bucks have done here. They yeah. they won last week. You can create a scenario, of course. But, yeah, I think that the Lions have to be the favorite. And do I have a problem with that spread? No, I don't. Um, If Tampa made the Super Bowl, this is without me looking at all 116 participants or whatever, they'd have to be the most unlikely Super Bowl rep ever. Right? I I would think. And I know maybe lower seeds have made it. But, Ray, this this is a a team (laughs) You know, they, they, they were nine points away against Carolina of missing the playoffs. And and I'm jumping. I'm, I'm giving them two victories to even broach this topic. But it, let's just say it would be the most unlikely uh, Super Bowl rep. So that'll be Sunday. That's the early game. Late game on Sunday is Kansas City-Buffalo. That's obviously the attraction here. Uh, Chiefs are an underdog going to Buffalo. Bills favored by two and a half. 630 is the kickoff. I will note. I looked at the forecast. Gosh, I should have looked at it this morning. But yesterday, late last night, Ray, uh, snow today, snow tomorrow, snow on Friday, snow on Saturday. <laughs> Which, as I, that's really the Buffalo forecast from about November to April. It's kind of what I just. But Sunday, Ray, is no snow at least as of now. Uh, it's going to be cold, but not frigid like in the twenties. So we'll see with the weather. But I, I don't know if, if temperatures are clear and it's twenty-five degrees. That shouldn't really affect the offenses. I wouldn't think. Well, it will be the warmest day of the week at 26 <laughs> degrees. Uh, yeah, it says sun, partly sunny, but it does not say snow, according to weather.com. So we'll get a fair football game, Kyle. I'm sorry we're not going to get a lot of white stuff out there for you. Yeah, so that'll be Sunday. Saturday uh, begins with Houston at Baltimore, 4.30, the kickoff there. Uh, Baltimore, a significant favorite by nine for that game. And then the other team who got weak, uh, one of the playoffs off San Francisco, Ray, they're also a big favorite. Vegas has not given any credit to Green Bay for what they did in Dallas. San Francisco is the heaviest favorite of the week, nine and a half for that game on Saturday night. They must have loved hearing that uh, McCaffrey's okay, right? <laughs> that his, his ankle is going to be good to go. Uh, there is some concern here um, that there is a storm moving into California. I know there is a storm moving into California that won't bring 
you know, 12 degrees or snow, but could have rain. So there could be rain during the game. And you know how this goes. It's always one of those things where they're trying to predict days out and models change and everything like that. But there's an atmospheric condition that could potentially impact the game with the Niners and the Packers just a little bit. Uh, and the Packers are getting no credit to your point. I, I don't have any basis, in fact, to say this, but I feel like growing up during those uh, great days of Montana and Young, you know, San Francisco was always home for the playoffs. And I feel like it was always raining at Candlestick. Like there's a, like that great Steve Young scramble against Minnesota. That was a really rainy game. Mm-hmm. It always seemed. I guess the, the, the great catch by Terrell Owens against, uh, was that Green Bay? That touch catch in the end zone? Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, that, that one was clear. I remember some games against Dallas when Dion was up against the, the the Niners and vice versa, actually. Those were clear games. But whatever it is, like late 80s, early 90s, always seemed to be raining uh, in San Francisco. So we'll see on that. Um, mentioning McCaffrey, uh, Ray, that is worth uh, bringing up. They say he's in the clear. That's good news. Uh, but calf injuries can be tricky. Zay Flowers, uh, good news for him, was limited in his return to practice. So it looks like he'll be out there. Um, AJ Dillon, I, I guess more out than in for this game as he continues to deal with thumb and neck injuries. Uh, Buffalo, who we talked about them playing Kansas City, I don't know, kind of weird here, Ray. They just release Leonard Fournette. I didn't, yes, and I, it needs me to think that he said, screw you guys, or did something, right? I wonder if it was a numbers game with special teams or something. you know, they, for their active roster, right. and you know, I. It was a weird timing to just yeah. cut a guy going into this game. Yeah, and I mean, you know, Johnson gets hurt or you know, Matt Murray, then maybe they sign him right back kind of thing. So I don't know the particulars. But, yeah, the timing of it, I, I read that report, and I was like, yeah, that's a little strange. Yeah. A couple of other things. Uh, let's see. Mike Tomlin, we talked about him yesterday. Reporting says that he will be back for 2024. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons, uh, I again, they're the Falcons. They, they do things differently. Um but, Ray, I think they released on Twitter, they did, mm-hmm. that they've interviewed Jim Harbaugh. Right. Uh, a day after, I think, they released that they've interviewed Bill Belichick. They are trying very, very hard to tell their fan base that they are trying by breaking news that they're at least visiting with uh, two high-end coaches as they look to move on in, in 2024. Yeah, and I always love when the Twitter X accounts say, we the intern <laughs> doing that is not, sorry, you're not really we, but okay, that's fine. We'll let it be we. We interviewed... Um, but this goes to what your, your point was last week. You know, Arthur Blank's got money. He's aging. Let's go. And they're at least talking to the big name guys, right? They're giving it a shot. And, uh, you know, wh- who knows how this plays out. Yeah. Um, but they, they're they they're in the mix and they're letting people know it. Ray, if uh, Jim Harbaugh were to cost you, let's say, two million bucks more per year than Bill Belichick, who would you rather have, Harbaugh or Belichick, if you're the Falcons? I'd rather have Harbaugh, I think. Well, I think I'd take Belichick, but really? yeah, I would. But I, you know, maybe that's colored a little bit from the experience in the Bay Area with Jim Harbaugh. Jim Jim Harbaugh burned bridges here, like it was. Well, like, he's not. Yeah, he's yeah. not a personality that you can deal with for more than five years. Well, and that's the thing. It's one thing, like if I could sign a guy and I could like Mike Vrabel. Let's sign Mike Vrabel, and he's going to be our coach for fifteen years. Okay, is Jim Harbaugh going to be anyone's coach fifteen years? No. So, how much of a time horizon advantage do we get with Harbaugh, even with the age gap? over Belichick I don't you know I don't know I just so that would factor into my decision to say go with the older guy um you mentioned Vrabel do you like him more than either of these two guys it's almost like he's forgotten here mm-hmm. I was talking with our friend Glenn Colton who's a giant Cowboys fan he's all in on Vrabel he wants the Cowboys to get Vrabel um I, I visited with an Eagles fan 
they're already done with Nick Sirianni, right? Of course. Yeah. <laughs> and they want Vrabel. And, you know, again, Harbaugh and Belichick are, are two giant names here. I, I feel like Vrabel may sneak up on some people. Yeah, I think that to answer your question directly, I would still take Bill Belichick. Okay. But again, I think that Vrabel, what what did he do? I mean, he did the best he could with a roster that wasn't very talented. And I don't think anyone is, people were surprised he was, he was fired. Uh, I don't, or like uh, whatever the terminology is. I don't think anyone has come out and said, we don't like this guy. We don't like playing for this guy. Like, I think everyone, you know, believes in what he established there in Tennessee. Uh, again, at a certain point, you just don't have the weapons. I don't think this at all was an Arthur Smith scenario where he had the weapons and he didn't know what to do with them. Uh, Rabel's going to get a job. And, you know, like I said, he could be with someone for 15 years. Like he could be the next Mike Tomlin, right? If he's with the right organization, I just don't think the Titans were that for him. Yeah. Uh, one last thing on Belichick. Well, well, two things concerning Belichick. Uh, the Atlanta connection, Ray, it's like, do you really go from your Mac Jones, Bailey Zappi scenario to now Desmond Ritter, Taylor That's Heineke? It's like, that, that doesn't it. And the other thing with Belichick, and it's, it's almost like an intimidation factor, Ray. Like, he comes in, and obviously these teams need a coach. They just fired their other coach. You know, they had a bad season, if you will. He comes in, Ray, and has such control over the process. You know, he doesn't need this job, you know, and, and he's going to come in and ask to move heaven and earth to make him the, the boss, to do it his way. Um, and I, I always, you know, kind of hesitate. Hey, does he really want to be wherever he ends up? <laughs> or is it just a power and money grab? And and also beyond that, it, you know, it, is it ever good to hire a guy when you don't have the power? You know, the, the employer is supposed to have the power, but I feel like wherever Bill Belichick goes, and I think it's more than Vrabel and more than Harbaugh, he comes in with my way or the highway, and mm -hmm. I'll walk away from this. And I think teams can almost grovel to try to appeal to, to Bill Belichick. Well, I think that's I think that's fair without knowing. I think that's mm -hmm. fair without knowing. Uh, but I also do think that, you know, there there are whether you're right or wrong as a coach in particular. You have to have conviction and you have to set the tone. And it seems to me like some of the coaches end up being a little mealy and wishy-washy. It doesn't work. And, you know, like you said, you know, Belichick's coming in. You know what it, it's his way or you're out. And that's mm -hmm. just how it's going to be. You can dislike it. You cannot. If you don't buy in, you're out. And I, I think there's power to that because then we get everyone doing the same thing. We get everyone moving in the same direction. We get everyone focused on what their job is, not worried about all the ancillary stuff. But it takes the right organization for that because there are some organizations that want players to feel good. There are some organizations that are more touchy-feely, if that makes sense, you know? So I think it's it's a tone you want to set. But in football, to me, with all the players you got, with all the traveling you do, with the size of the coaching staff and all the responsibilities, I would want someone with a firm hand at the top that says, mm -hmm. this is how we're going to do it. Trust me. Let's go. Uh, we'll see if any decisions are made. Remember, Belichick and Harbaugh, they can sign whenever they want. They can ink a deal. They don't have to wait for you know, a loss in the playoffs or anything like that. Uh, a lot of these OCs, DCs, whoever it may be, uh, they're still going. Ben Johnson in Detroit, I think everybody would love to interview Ben Johnson, and they, and they are doing their best to do that, but it's maybe more of a phone interview at this point or maybe just uh, guessing as, as to uh, his true want to get out of Detroit as uh, they prepare, uh, prepare, I should say, for Tampa Bay this week. And one other quick thing on the NFL side, and then we'll get to these running backs, uh, Miami. Uh, their GM came out yesterday and said that uh, they want to make Tua Tungavailoa their long-term QB. So we had wondered aloud about that. Uh, totally get it. We'll just see if a contract can be agreed to. It's a little bit of a, a push and pull. 
uh, between those two. And Mike McDaniel, who is said to be totally in Tua's corner, uh, there was a report that uh, he is at least open to giving up some play calling, which is always weird, Ray, because I think I saw the Dolphins were top five in pretty well all offensive categories. But I, I, I do get it. You know, we talk about these coaches and, and play calling and, you know, you still have to be a head coach, not just a play caller. And and maybe that is the, the gap that Miami's had. Who knows? I mean, Mike McDaniel may look at this and said, well, I could have put a little more time into this or I want to focus a bit more on this aspect of my job. Maybe if I hand off the offensive coordinator duties, that will allow me to spend some time there and hopefully make us more successful. I think from an X and O perspective, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> right? Like you're saying, you know, nothing went wrong. I'm sure the guys got hurt. It didn't work out in the end. But the offense was fine. The offense was dynamic. Mm -hmm. you know, through the season, people were talking about this offense being historic. He's the guy calling the plays. Uh, I think it's great that he's open to it because, you know, a lot of coaches would say, hell no, go to hell, you know, piss off. Or they're not – that's great, and I think that's who he is, right? It seems like he's a, a guy that takes all the information. He's very contemplative and all that kind of stuff. And it comes down to, like you said, what his feels on game day. You know, does he feel like he's distracted from other aspects of things, that he needs to be focused on? That's really what it's about. But I think that the the, the Dolphins would be better off if he was calling plays for them in 2024. Okay, so that is the latest on some NFL storylines, a lot of coaching storylines at this point as we start to look ahead to the weekend. Ray and I will really dive into those uh, divisional round games coming up tomorrow and Friday here on the program. We will also continue our running back breakdown on Thursday and Friday. Today we begin it, and we always start at the top with a recap of the guys uh, who worked, the guys at each position that uh, ended up as top of the field, if you will. And uh, Ray, no doubt here, you barely would need to pay attention to know that Christian McCaffrey was number one. And uh, again, it wasn't even close, even without playing in week 18. Like Ray, if he had played in week 18, he may have beaten the field by 110, 115 points. Uh, he would have been over 400 PPR points for the season, as is 391. Brees Hall was number two at 290. Ray, is there any, any doubt McCaffrey should be number one overall next season? And understand, Kyle Alfred for four years now has been passing on McCaffrey as the top pick. And I would say in... Two of those four, maybe three of those four, I've been incorrect. I certainly was incorrect this year, Ray. I mean, this was peak McCaffrey. Mm -hmm. um, it looked great for him. And he's still, I was a little surprised, Ray. I guess he'll be 28 mm -hmm. next season. I kind of feel like he's nearing his 30s. But gosh, at 28, I guess you just roll him out as the number one pick. It's hard for me to, to tell somebody no on McCaffrey next season. Very interesting. Uh Going back to something you said earlier in the show, there was that gap of 100 points between him and the number two guy. He basically created this season a Travis-Kelsey gap, which mm -hmm. was the, always the argument to take Kelsey, right, in the first round. Because, look, Kelsey's scoring 100 points more than everyone else. He did that at the running back spot, which is just amazing. You look at the last two years, 2022-21, the gap between one and two was 20 points one year, 30 points the next year. It was 100 this year. So this was a fantastic season. Now, to answer your question... Can you make an argument or should you make an argument that he's not the number one guy? I think the answer to both those is yes. And here's why. I'm not saying he can't be the number one guy again. He absolutely could be. The coaching staff figures to be in place. The offense figures to be in place. All that kind of stuff. But realize that McCaffrey's reception total was down this year. It's very unlikely he's scoring more than a touchdown a game next year. That's just the odds of touchdown making. You know that as well as I do. He's 28. But as I mentioned here on the show previously, 
He has four seasons of 325 touches or more, which is double Derrick Henry. Okay, so this guy has got a lot of work. And it's really difficult to say that as a player ages, they get healthier, right? He had those two seasons where he played 10 games in back-to-back years. Like he played seven games in three, if I'm not mistaken. So you look at all of that, and then you you say to yourself, should I chase given all of that? Should I chase the number one performance? You can take him number one. And if he does what he does this year, did this year, even if the field improves, you're, you're a winner. But I do have questions about whether it's the right choice or not. Tom. One item that is a little different for me this year or for 2024 with McCaffrey than previous years is obviously if you're sitting number one in a draft, your next pick into the second round, you know, 24th overall, whatever it may be. Uh, so by taking McCaffrey, you, you've got your running back, but the, the concern, Ray, is what am I getting at 24? And and I think, and again, we haven't played all this out, but I think you can still get what I would consider a, a, a damn good receiver at 24. I think that's still possible. Um, and I like that idea because that, that position has given us a very solid group of, I would say, at least 10 receivers that I feel good about being wide receiver ones. And there's there maybe a, another handful, five or six guys that could easily move into that level. Mm-hmm. So if you start talking about, let's say, 12 to 15 receivers that you feel good about, you know, by the time the draft swings around to you at 24, whether they deserve it or not, other people are going to take some running backs. You might see a quarterback taken there, you know, Josh Allen or whoever it may be. So, Ray, I think there's a receiver there. There's not a running back I really feel good about there. And and it kind of is that Kelsey argument, but mm-hmm. at a position that to me is way more important, mm-hmm. getting that mm-hmm. running back. And you're right on the injury thing, but I, I guess at, at this point, unless you're like coming off a severe injury or you've just had multiple years of missing time, I almost feel like that's a waste of breath for any of us to complain about. Surely there are guys, yes. And you know this, Ray, I've always talked about injuries. But at some point, you just say, I have no control over this. My only control is if I draft a guy, I got to draft a backup. You know, I draft depth. And sometimes I think people who draft McCaffrey mm-hmm. or any stud at a position, they think that puts them in a really good spot at that position. And so they can wait. And they don't, the need, they don't yeah. need depth. Yeah. I, I am a huge proponent of running back depth. Have Always have been. And I want anybody who takes McCaffrey to understand you still got to build that depth. It's not like if you have Christian McCaffrey, you only need to draft four running backs. No, I still want five or six running backs. So that, that's the other part of this, Ray, is McCaffrey doesn't allow you to do other things. You know, allow you to get, oh, I can get two quarterbacks. Oh, I can get uh, six receivers. You still have to pile up the names at that running back position, even if you start with the legend that is Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, and I think if you play it out, and it's too early because we don't have ADP or anything, of course. But if you play this out, that's my concern too. McCaffrey's going to go one or two in every draft, mm-hmm. right? So if you're in a 12-team league, you know, does the regular you know snake draft thing, and it's you're starting two wide, two running backs, three wide receivers, you're going to take the running back, and then the wide receiver is going to go, 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 go. So then you're going to go wide receiver, wide receiver with your next two picks. Then you're probably going to be tempted to take a quarterback, right? So now we're in round five before we've taken the second running back. Can totally work. Yeah. Totally work. But if McCaffrey plays nine games next year, and then your fifth round back 
is backed up by an eighth round back. Cause then you went and took a tight end and you went back to the, you know, went back to the, the wide receiver position. Then you start getting into this, we're in that hero running back, whatever the stupid thing is people call it when you draft one running back and don't really draft other guys. And it's not the right way to do it. So it's going to take a lot of thinking, looking at the player pool, how ADP is shaping out. It's going to take a lot of thinking to decide if that's what you want to do if you're at the top of a draft, because it's not just about McCaffrey, to your point. It's about how you build your team talent. You're totally right about that. And you have to think, am I willing to go? Because I almost think when you take McCaffrey, you're saying to yourself, I'm out in the top six quarterbacks, right? Like that's mm-hmm. just, I can't, it makes more sense for me to go with the Kirk Cousins that we always talk about, that kind the Jared Goff. Just go with that kind of quarterback so I can build my other positions. But I don't know if people want to do that. They always want to get the best guy at each spot and that could cause some problems in the backfield. So we can uh, dispute if you take a number one overall. I don't think there's any dispute. He's the top running back for next season. Uh, lapping the field this year. And then, Ray, we get to the other guys. And I say the other guys. The other guys are RB1s. But as we noted earlier in the uh, the stream here, these guys all have issues. And they all had moments, Ray, as you noted, where there were many weeks where people said, should I start Bijan Robinson? Should I start Joe Mixon? Should I start Alvin Kamara? Should I start James Cook? Should I start Rashad White? All these are all season-long RB1s. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ray, it goes Brees Hall at two, ETN at three. I don't know how many people realize Travis ETN, uh, who was the third best PPR running back. Rashad White at four, Mostert, a lot of touchdowns. Um, Joe Mixon, who I kind of made the argument, look at is not like the rushing totals were junk for Joe Mixon, but he found the end zone. Um, Kyron Williams, Derek Henry. Finishes ninth in a PPR setup. Bijan Robinson, who most people said that was a letdown of a rookie season, me included. Like it could have been so much better for Bijan Robinson. Jameer Gibbs, who most people would say, oh, he had a better year than Bijan Robinson, was actually just a smidge behind Bijan Robinson. Alvin Kamara, what he missed three games mm-hmm. at the start of the year, and he still finishes as an RB1. And then James Cook. I mean, that is a really weird grouping of RB1s, Ray. Uh, guys, like if you're somebody who loves to get an RB early, like mm-hmm. which one do you take early if you're sitting at ninth in the first round? It's pick your poison, I think, with those guys. Yeah, I mean, Christian McCaffrey didn't play week 18. Brees Hall in weeks two and three had under five points total. Uh, Travis Etienne, you know, at the end, he's scoring nine points, six points. Like, he really slowed at six points, not eight points. He was really slow in the second half compared to the first half. Rashad White started out okay, but then found the consistency because of the pass catching. Mostert didn't play the final two weeks of the season. Joe Mixon was stable, but kind of boring, but like you said, stable. Kyron Williams missed three games with injury. He didn't play week 18. Bijan Robinson had a game where he didn't get to a point because of the headache. Uh, you know, you start going through the list, even these elite guys, like they're just swaths of nothingness. You know, how the hell does Brees Hall end up number two? <laughs> right? Is that, and then again, like you're saying, ETN might shock people, Mixon. Brees Hall was number two, and maybe people, you know, remember the, 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 the playoff run that was massive here at the end. But my God, like I said, this guy had, you know, games of one point, four points, you know, if you three points, and that's in a PPR setup. So, yeah, this was a really interesting season. And really, it comes down to, like I said at the top, and like you've said for years, give me 15 touches. Give me 16 games. If I get 17, that's fantastic. Give me 15 games, hell, of 15 touches. 
You do that, it's really hard not to be a top 15 guy because there's so much attrition at the position. Well, and that's the thing, right? These guys, for the most part, um, if they miss games, it was two or three. Um, And that's what you got to hope for. And that, again, leads to the idea of you better build running back depth. Because even these guys who were RB1s for the season had A, bad games, or missed a little bit of time. So you have to have that depth. It's very rare you're going to just run the table weeks one through 17, and it's never going to be an issue. You know, guys will always be missing time. Another fascinating, well, not fascinating, but notable thing, right, is really you look at this top 10 and, you know, Mostert, Mixon, Henry, and Kamara, these are all guys that kind of look at the age and where they are, and you think, ah, they're kind of near in the end of relevancy. Um, And then young guys like Rashad White, I don't – is anybody – Anybody going to be pumped if Rashad White's or RB1 next year? <laughs> Ray, that might, might be the most I'm going to hold my nose pick that you'll have with Rashad White. And even though he finished as a top four running back, he's a second round pick, isn't he? I, I would have to think he's a second round pick. Like Gibbs and Bijan and Kyron Williams, all these guys are going to go ahead of him. Well, it's really interesting because you're one 3.7 yards of carry, you're two 3.6 yards of carry, not putting it all on him. But this team does not run the ball effectively. They didn't back in the Tom Brady. They they don't run the ball effectively, okay? So he's not a guy that's likely to push that number to 4.7, okay? He scored six touchdowns on the ground and three receiving nine touchdowns. Could he repeat that? He could. There's a high volume there, but that's not a huge number. It's really about playing every week in the catches, I mean, that's really – and so it depends who their OC is next year. It depends who their quarterback is. Is it Mayfield? Is it somebody else? You know, who do they bring in if they lose Mike Evans? Maybe he gets 100 targets next year. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's one of those things. So uh, it, it'll 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 depend how it plays out. He is someone, White, that has volumed his way to this success, and it very well could be the same next year, but we'll have to wait and see. And there are a lot of guys outside the top 12 that I think whenever you put draft boards together next year – they're going to be inside the top 12. Um, I, I think Pacheco is probably going to be there. There may be people who make an argument for Achan to be in the top 12, just because in a PPR setup, obviously. We'll have to see where Saquon Barkley ends up. Uh, he just finished outside of the top 12. Um, you know, Nick Chubb coming off that injury, will he be vaulted into the top 12? Jonathan Taylor probably going into that top 12. He missed some time with injuries and a holdout and all that stuff. So, it's, it's an extremely fluid position. And honestly, the guys who finish as RB1s this year, it, that's not how they're going to be ranked <laughs> going into the preseason, going into draft season. So understand that. Now, on the flip side, Ray, we have the guys who disappointed. And again, we could just load up on guys who got injured, but that's a little unfair. Now, I will admit many of these guys miss games, but I, I don't want to say they missed like half the season. Right. You know, I and hey, it's a position where I get it. It's a letdown. You're pissed off. But if they're on the field and you're not performing, that's when I have issues. And, Ray, that leads us to Austin Eckler. One of the biggest busts that we've seen for a guy who played, for a guy with a track record, for a guy that we assumed, all oh, the offense should be fine, drafted as the second running back off the board, Ray, in a PPR setup, 26th for Austin Eckler. That's one of the more profound swings and misses. Uh, that the world of fantasy footballs had at the running back position. Yeah, and I, I think we – I don't have it in front of me. I think we had him seventh 
Yeah. Which is still running back one. So he disappointed greatly compared to what we expected too. But I do think we were lower on Eckler than virtually anyone in the industry. We probably had him about 200 to 20, 225% lower than most people. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I think this is a, a real reminder because I've been running polls over on uh, Twitter X at the Ray Flowers. And I don't know that people are chasing points. I don't know that. But every poll I run, who should you take number one next year? It's always the guy who scored the most points this year. It's, every time I've run it, it's, that's how it's worked out. And it's, I think Eckler is a, is a prime example of how, especially at the running back position, we're talking about McCaffrey. It's dangerous to do that. There's the health concern that just, like Kyle said, that happens. And there's not much you can do about that. But this is a scenario in the case of Eckler, who really isn't a great running back. Right. He can't move a pile. He's not a big burly guy with yak and all that kind of stuff. He needs the offense to be set up for him. And it wasn't. And we talked about this in the preseason, changing the OC. And all that. We talked about this. So if the expectation was he's going from 100 catches to 70, boom, just off the top, we're losing two points a week. Just boom off the top. And then it's like, can this guy score 19 touchdowns, which he averaged last? No, he's not going to score 19 touchdowns. Then we're knocking off another 50 points there. So it was never it was never going to happen as his him as number two, unless everything went haywire in the NFL and a lot went haywire, but not everything. Yeah. Uh, the real question now is: Does Eckler sign on as anything other than the satellite back? Does he just become a you know a five catch four five catch a week guy that gets four carries? And I, I think that might be his path moving forward. I, again, we'll see where he ends up. I doubt it's with LA again. And even if it is, right? Like, I, I hate to ever say I won't draft a guy, but I won't be that interested in Austin Eckler because he's the perfect example of something I constantly bloviate about with running backs is when it goes, it goes, it's gone. It doesn't usually come back. Um, you know, we were talking about Leonard Fournette. Mm-hmm. He was over a thousand yards last year. And Ray, he set out all of this season. It's frankly over for him. Honestly, mm-hmm. it's it's just over. Yep. Uh, Miles Sanders. Remember him, everybody? I do. It's over. You know, and it, it, it's crazy, and and that's unfair, Ray, and it's flippant. Um, but that's how this position works. I mean, you might even be able to say it about Josh Jacobs. Yeah. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Uh, Damian Pierce, it's over. <laughs> I, to- I felt good about Damian Pierce in the Dynasty League when the season started. My God, now I'm scrambling. Totally true. Yeah. Um, you know, Saquon Barkley, is it over? No, I think he still has more to give. But he was a slight disappointment. I mean, that was a top five drafted running back. Um, he didn't finish as an RB1. Uh, Josh Jacobs, RB7 off the board, Ray, RB28. And now a free agent, right? Because he had a one-year deal. Who knows? Is, is Josh Jacobs getting more than a one-year deal? The, the, moral of the, the moral of the story is if you're a running back, you're getting screwed. You're not getting a long-term contract, but don't hold out. <laughs> Just yeah. Every time these guys do that, Take what you can get. <laughs> yeah, because this, and I, I've said this so many times, the gap between greatness, being really good, and being out of the NFL is small, man. And when you get that opportunity, when a team says to you, Josh Jacobs, we're giving you the ball 20 times a week, you just got to get what you can get and do it because they will move on from you. And because they know, I mean, they have more analytical studies than we have. They have doctors manipulating these guys. Oh, he's lost 9% of his strength in his left calf, or whatever the hell it is, right? They know these things. So, yeah, Josh Jacobs, what he put on tape this year, not just the performance, what he put on tape this year, and Jeff Manns talked about this weekly, didn't look good. Zamir White looked better. He looked more explosive on the field. And when you have all that work and all that kind of stuff with Josh Jacobs, he's not getting paid. 
You might get a two or three year deal, maybe, but it's going to be something that it's, you know, $15 million in total, not $15 million a year or whatever the heck that he wanted. Well, we could always point to uh, how Jamal Williams was treated. I mean, my God, he led the NFL in touchdowns last year and then couldn't find a market. Nobody wanted him. And this year he had one touchdown. He was barely used. It's like just nuts here. Um, Tony Pollard, I you know, reading things coming out of the season, Ray, I, I feel like people really hammered him. Mm-hmm. Um, he was drafted as RB8. He finished as RB14. And it, it just came down to touchdowns. And and maybe you'll say, well, he'll never be a touchdown guy. I, gosh, could have made that argument coming into the year. You know, kind of wondering would he get enough work and would they use him in the green zone? I, I feel like he's getting a bit of a bad rap for being like a huge letdown. I, I don't really see that with Tony Pollard. Yeah, you drafted him as an RB one. Mm-hmm. He was a high end RB two when it when it all finished. Yeah, Jeff Mans and I talked about this on the Elite Sports Show Monday through Friday, 3 to 5 p.m. on SiriusXM Fantasy Sports Radio. And we talked about this last week, and it was interesting. We got some pushback because we tried to – we were talking about mistakes, quote-unquote, that we made this year and talking about the grades of mistakes. Like, was – and the, the, the topic that we talked about was Jamar Chase. Was Jamar Chase a disappointment based upon our draft day expectations and our draft board? Yes. Jamar Chase went for 1,200 yards and 100 touchdowns. Yeah. 100 catches, excuse me. <laughs> Sorry, catches. that would have been a really season. 100 catches, 1,200 yards. Was it a disappointing season? Yeah. Did you lose because you got 100 catches and 1,200 yards? No. And I think it's the same thing with Pollard. It's the same thing with Bijan Robinson, right? Like these guys didn't live up to their draft cost. So if your only way of grading this out is did you live up to your draft cost, then Pollard was a failure. Mm-hmm. It's not how you should be looking at this. You didn't lose because Tony Pollard wasn't RB3, right? You didn't lose because that – he wasn't as good, but he was fine. He's perfectly fine. He's a guy you could use every week. As we're talking about, he's running back 14. You know, he gets a couple extra touchdowns. He's running back 11. It just, yeah. boom, there it is. So I, he he did not live up to expectations. He was dis- disappointed from that angle. But from you, a fantasy perspective, you could still have one with Tony Pollard in your backfield. The question for him is, is you know, does he get a job with the Cowboys or someone else where he's still the lead guy? Because he did not perform or look the same this year as he had riding shotgun to Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, Najee Harris was drafted as the 11th running back off the board, finished 23rd, um, much more disappointing than Pollard, but still a guy you could start every week. And, you know, I give him credit. I think everybody was trying to retire Najee Harris beginning in week three, and uh, he held on all season as the main guy in Pittsburgh. Uh, Damian Pierce, RB16, he finished 55. Now, there was a bit of an injury, but it wasn't anything long-term, and it just opened the door to Devin Singletary, and uh, Singletary took off. Miles Sanders goes from preseason RB18 to postseason RB52. Alexander Madison, a lot of people were in on Madison coming into this year. 20th running back off the board, finished 38. Javante Williams, 24th off the board, which I thought was a bargain, Ray. Mm-hmm. I really like that. He finished 29th, so a slight disappointment. I That's one, Ray, that I, I like Javante Williams in a lot of places. And if I could get him as my RB3, I was ecstatic. Turns out he just was an RB3. (laughs) Let me ask you a question about this, because this has been something, sorry, Jeff, this is something we've talked about behind the scene. Javante Williams was Roy Kent this year, right? He was the guy that we talked about at Fantasy Gear. We gave him a nickname so that everyone would know, this is the guy we're talking about, but you have to be in the know. You have to be in our crew. You have to subscribe to the site or listen to the show to know what we're talking about. We don't want people that come in on August 22nd and all of a sudden know what we've been talking about for two months. So what happened was that everyone at fantasyguru.com 
took the message of Devontae Williams as the guy to get. Great. He was in the 13th round, the 12th round, the 11th round, the 10th round, the 9th. By the end of draft season, people were taking him in the third round. Okay? When you when you pushed him up, when we pushed him up so much that there was virtually no shot whatsoever of him living up to his expectations, it became a runaway train. Mm-hmm. So the question we've had behind the scenes, Kyle, is does Jeff do this again? Does he give the nickname? Because he did it last year uh, with, with Alan Lazard. And people bitched about Alan Lazard. And Alan Lazard's preseason draft cost and end-of-season performance was off by, like, one spot. Like, it was the, it was exactly the same as we yeah. Jeff predicted. But the expectation was so high that when he was just good and not a superstar, well, when you, when you gave off. him When you gave him the uh, – the, what would you call it? The nominated award or whatever. Yeah. Um, he was – 10, 15 spots lower, yeah. you know, because that, that happens in what July, you yeah. know, that you kind of name that guy. Mm-hmm. And, and so maybe it's just the July thing or whenever you see it, get rid of, you just stop it, you know, and, and you still have rewarded the people who were drafting early, I guess, but it, it is a, you know, people get excited about guys, you know, these hype guys that we all get excited and then it's fine to, to draft them, but you don't get carried away. And so often Ray, there's so much time in the preseason and, you see moments in the preseason and all of a sudden you're like, wow, I really love this guy. And I'm going to take him, even though his ADP is at seventh round, I want him. I'm going to take him in the fourth round. You know, it can work, but you got to understand that you're still reaching and um, reaching for guys just because he's your guy. Like we'll, we'll hear that all the time. Who's your guy? Who's the guy you're going to, I think that's dangerous thinking, Ray. For people to say, yeah, this is my guy and I will do whatever it takes to go get well, that guy. And it, it got to, you know, and I'm thinking back. And again, were we wrong about Javante Williams? Yes. I'm not trying to ignore that fact. But what I'm saying is it got to the point where, you know, I'm answering questions in Discord. I'm doing my draft tonight, Ray. I'm going to take, you know, Javante Williams over Austin Eckler. And we're, I'm like, <laughs> we have Austin Eckler at seven. We have Javante Williams at 13. Why are you ignoring our rankings? Well, Jeff loves him. Jeff loves him. Jeff does the rankings. Yeah. Like, he, you know, and he has him six spots behind the guy. You think, so I, I think we just, it's, I, a, I don't it's know. a balancing act. It's, it's yeah. kind of, I don't it's know like, if there's a very easy answer. You, you just kind of have to pay attention to, to the lay of the land and how drafts are going because very quickly a guy can be bit up like crazy. Yeah. And I, I, again, to, the moral of the story for me is go with the rankings. Like, you know, we factor all of these things into the rankings, whether we're talking baseball or football, we factor it into the rankings. So at the end of the day, if it's guy seven and eight and you want to go with eight, have had it, right? If it's guy 13 and, and eight, you want to go for it? Sure, it's fine. But don't take guy 13 over guy eight because I say I like guy 13 or Jeff says he likes guy 13. If our rankings have other guys ahead of them in the rankings, we like those guys more. Uh, Coming up on tomorrow's show, we'll continue our discussion of running backs, uh, maybe talk some free agents to be. We hit on a few of those guys today. Also, some numbers that you might have missed at the position. And uh, how about guys who surprised this year? What is the outlook for 2024? So we'll get to a lot of that coming up tomorrow. Uh, We got about, what, five, ten minutes here at the end of the show. And, Ray, this is kind of a decent segue uh, because you wanted to talk about baseball post-hype sleepers again. Draft Guide, the seasonal package, is available right now at FantasyGuru.com. You see it there at the bottom of the screen. Uh, $40 when you use the promo code FSD20. Each and every day, Ray and the crew are putting out more columns. 
there's a lot of stuff already there. And then as we go through the preseason, things will be updated, things will be added, things will be posted, all of that. So when you buy the guide, you get everything into the future. So all these articles. Ray, you wanted to hit on post-hype sleepers at baseball, uh, which again, we talk about the hype of Javante Williams. Uh, it didn't work. Who knows? Maybe he'll be a post-hype guy next season. Uh, but let's start with the definition. Um, and we should start with the idea that, as you see at the top there, Ray Flowers hates this article or hates the title of the article. Right, Ray? I do. And the reason I say that is because people still and it kind of goes back. We use We call it a draft guide, even though it's a full season product. Maybe we should just change the names of everything. There are no sleepers. OK, this is not 2002. There's no sleepers. In order for someone to be a sleeper, you got to be talking about guy 39 on the 40 man roster, right? That's a sleeper. You got to be talking about prospect 22 with the twins. That's a sleeper. The term itself is a complete misnomer, okay? Because it, it just, there's too much information out there in the universe. People are too smart. Users or consumers are too good at this now. The term itself, but, you know, like I said, everyone knows what it means when they read it. So I yeah. used it again. Well, it's it's almost like they're overlooked or forgotten. I forgotten because you know I'm looking at these names and, and you've got a lot of names in the article. We're gonna spotlight a few of them. But Ray, to me, Alex Karloff totally forgotten. He hasn't done anything to like move the needle for anybody. Joe Adele, totally off the radar. Um, so that you know, again, sleeper, that's probably not the best term, but forgotten? Absolutely. I mean, these guys. These are late round guys, especially a Joe Adele and even a Kirilov. It's people kind of been there, done that. It didn't happen and they've moved on. To me, Jordan Walker, very hyped last season. People were excited for the rookie. I, I still think there's some excitement there. So he doesn't fit in the same category right. as Adele and Kirilov because they've been around for a few years. But the idea of Walker maybe being overlooked or, hey, did you forget how much hype he did have last year? Certainly fits the bill there. Yeah, and I think that's what that is. It's very interesting uh, when you talk about the post-hype sleeper or the overlooked player. There are varying categories of this. Because you look at Jordan Walker and his ADP is 120 or something. Like he's still mm -hmm. being drafted at the point where people are expecting him to be a starter. You look at guys like Adele and Kirilov, they're I mean, getting drafted, right? Or it depends on the size of your league and all that kind of stuff. There are various levels to this, which does make this look interesting because it's it's often it oftentimes it's the high end prospect, right? That has all kinds of hype and then doesn't get it done. Kirilov mm -hmm. has had tons of injuries, hasn't got it done. Joe Adele strikeouts hasn't been given an opportunity, hasn't got it done. Walker was given an opportunity last year. You know, he got demoted for a bit, but he was given an opportunity, played almost 120 games. But the excitement level with him this year is way lower than it was last year. He's 21 years old. He had 16 home runs and almost had an 800 OPS. I, as you mentioned before the show, we briefly talked about this. He learned a new position defensively. Like, if you were excited about him last year, I don't think looking at what he did last year should change your opinion about him at all this year. But I don't get the sense that anyone's as excited. They're just like, oh, yeah, he's going to be playing every day. We'll take him. He'll be good. But the hype and the excitement's just not there with him, Kyle. Um, that that Joe Adele name, Ray. I mean, to be honest, couldn't he have been in this article? Yes. The last three years. Yeah. Probably, probably. <laughs> so, so when do we give up? And and I'm looking, uh, I'm looking off a lot, you know, to the left here. Like, mm -hmm. you know, every year, Ray, there are guys who, whoa, they hit 30 home runs like last season. Um, where is it here? Jake Berger. 
what? <laughs> yeah. yeah, 30 home runs. You're like, what? Um, Isaac Parades had over 30 home runs. Joe Adele's that kind of guy. Like, you're really, if you're getting Joe Adele, you hope he's this, frankly, no-namer who hits 30 home runs next season, right? Yeah, I think in the case, we were talking about Dylan Carlson, too, earlier uh, before the show began. I think Joe Adele's in that same zone. To me, Joe Adele should have been traded about five times by now. Yep. He needs to be with the new organization, okay? And whether it's hearing different things from coaching staff, mechanical this or whatever, or just a mental change, he needs to be with a different organization. It's just he's been given opportunities and not come through. He's made mistakes on the bases. He made mistakes throwing the foot, the baseball. He's struck out a ton. Like people boo him because he hasn't lived up there. He needs a fresh start. They haven't done that. Uh, you look at the outfield right now with this team, the Angels, and you know you've got a situation where Taylor Ward's going to play every day. He's healthy. They added um, Hunter Renfro. No, they lost Hunter Renfro. Excuse me, I'm looking at it right now. Um, Mickey Moniak will be in right field, and obviously Mike Trout. Mickey Moniak was another one of these post-type sleepers yeah. who came through last year, mm -hmm. who was tremendous at the start, failed at the end, can't hit lefties to save his life. I mean, he's just not. So he's a platoon guy on his own, in his own right. Is he going to hold off Adele? Maybe because Adele has had a huge problem, and that is making contact. But I think you're, you said it very well there, Kyle. If Joe Adele gets 500 plate appearances, even right now with all his issues, he gets 500 plate appearances, he could hit 30 home runs. He's got the ability and the skills to do that. He is a flawed player, though. But that does not mean he couldn't be someone that, you know, like we're talking about, goes 235 this year with 29 home runs and 82 RBIs that no one's talking about. Well, and Ray, he's just got to go to a lousy organization. Now, a lot of Angels fans would say he's already with a lousy organization. <laughs> but the Angels still spend money and try to compete. Like, he really needs to go to a team like Kansas City. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe Kansas City isn't here anymore to take a shot. But the worry I've got with Adele, Adele Ray is, you're right, he should have been traded, but he never was. Well, it does take two to tango. Maybe no team wanted him. And maybe everybody's looking at the same tape and saying, nah, this – this ain't happening with Joe Adele. We can't even turn him into Joey Gallo, you know, and, and get a 200 hitter with 38 home runs. So I, I really worry about that with, with Adele. Um, even if he were to land somewhere with a job, I, I just don't know that people are really willing to give him that shot. Kirilov, I, I don't think Minnesota's moving on, but Ray, I'm looking at this depth chart. Mm -hmm. Is he your everyday first baseman? I guess that's about the only place he fits now for the Twins, right? Yeah, and they basically said he's going to be a first baseman now. I mean, when you, you, you look at the scouting reports or when you talk to scouts over the years, every scout has said the same thing. The guy's bat's electric. He's going to hit. Everyone. And there have been moments, in it, even in his big league career, where he's hit. Mm -hmm. The problem is the dude is brittle. He's Mr. Glass. He can't stay on the field. And, you know, whether it's his forearm or his wrist or whatever, surgery here – they can't seem to keep him on the field. And last year was concerning because he had surgery to fix an issue. And he commented that, like, it's still, it's not right. Some guys physically just can't, right? And it, there's nothing, not through anything that they do or don't do. Their body just says no. And I, I'm worried that Kirloff's in that boat because it's been years now mm -hmm. of a guy who has all kinds of skills, of a guy who should be an everyday player at the major league level who just hasn't figured it out. Now, I will re remind people, not that it's the same player, the same style, but Nelson Cruz was hurt all the time as a young player. And he found a way to get on that field 140 times and had a tremendous career. 
Not saying Kirilov's the same player. Don't mistake that. But my point is that maybe if he can find the secret sauce to stay on the field, we'll finally see the guy that we all know is there. Is he a prototypical first baseman? No. Could he be Nathaniel Lowe? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, that third name on the list, Jordan Walker. You know, I'm here in St. Louis, Ray, and I guess the disappointment was he was billed as Albert Pujols part two, and he wasn't. And, but as you said, 21, dude. Yeah. Uh, being forced into a new position. Defensively, I don't know if he's ever going to be much of anything, wherever they put him. Um, and unfortunately, I will tell you this, in, in uh, Cardinals land, making defensive miscues um, does not play well. <laughs> At all. So, some uh, markets you can get away with that, but for whatever reason, and I think it's because of the way this franchise has built, they've always had pitchers who allow the ball to be put into play and they're going to beat you with their defense. Like that's been the MO for the Cardinals for 10 years. We're going to have good defense. So the fans have been sold on that. Um, and we've seen Walker struggle with that. Nolan Gorman to a point struggled with that. He's gotten a lot better. But I think a lot of the negativity with Walker is People wanted to pick on his defense, and I get it. It's not good. But Ray, as a hitter, I still believe this guy can be everything he was billed as. Probably the biggest problem is how does he get in a position to get plate appearances with guys on base? Because the way this team is built, unless he just kills the baseball, I think he's kind of buried at the bottom of the order. And that that kind of limits those opportunities for him to, to total the big RBIs and, and even the runs scored. Yeah, we saw some of that last year with Michael Harris, who was spectacular. He hit ninth like 88 times or whatever mm-hmm. the hell it was. He was always at the bottom of the order. But the Braves order was so damn good, it, he kind of overcame that. You usually Best don't. lineup ever in, yeah. in, in some aspects. Yeah, so you don't usually overcome that. Uh, and so you lose plate appearances. You lose the RBI opportunities, the run score opportunities. Like you said, the counting categories become an issue. And he probably hits, what, seventh to start the yeah. year? And, you know, how many organizations baseball would love to have that guy hitting seventh 29 of them. I mean, that's so it's, it's good for the Cardinals in that sense, but you're right. It is a little bit of a concern uh, because of the plate appearances. We've talked about this over the years. You basically lose 15 to 20 plate appearances over the course of a season for each spot in the batting order you go down. So if we go from two to seven, that's five spots. We're talking, I'm losing 75 to hundred plate appearances, which is huge. That's like, that's like being injured for a month. Right? So that is something to think about, but he he does have power. He does have speed. I think it was nice to see him come back from the minors and start to lift the ball a little bit more because that was his issue is he hit everything into the ground. Uh, I think that you know he is still someone that could absolutely break out this season and not enough people are talking about him. Uh, the lone pitcher, and again, the list and the column and the article that Ray has has, what, what, Ray, 10 to 15 guys, I, I think, on that 15, list? 15, something like that. Yeah, yeah we're, we're spotlighting a few of them. Garrett Whitlock's another one. And, Ray, I don't know if it's the decision that would make him better, but I just wish the Red Sox would let him be and keep right. it, make him a starter and roll with it. And right. And the difficulty is... Ray, I just don't know what he is right now. I mean, his numbers are way better in the bullpen. Mm-hmm. But for a fantasy player, it's like, who cares, honestly? Like, to me, he would only be of interest if I know he's going to be in the rotation. And even then, you're probably not getting more than like 115 innings out of the guy just because he's never throwing innings. He's always coming up with something. Now, his his results have been way worse in the, in the uh, rotation for what it's worth. But he's made like 100 appearances, and 80 of them have been in the bullpen. 20 of them have been as a starter. 
it's just a guy that you have no idea. And I don't even think the Red Sox have any idea where he's going to end up. Yeah. And they are kind of doing the same thing with Tanner Houck too. It's like, yeah, I understand you trying to win games now and you're trying to balance the future and the present and all that. But I agree with you, put the guy in a role and go like the, the you're starting this month, you're relieving this month. It's, it's very difficult because the goals are different. The stamina is different. Your pitch mix is different. How you attack that all it's all different. Uh, I mentioned earlier in the week when we were talking about my breakout candidate of the year and how Whitlock was in the group of 15 guys that we started with last year before we whittled it down to Justin Steele. Uh, his skills are really impressive. He strikes out a guy in inning. He does not beat himself with the walk. He's not a guy that's going to be beaten by a ton of home runs because his ground ball to fly ball ratio is pretty much league average. There is a lot to like here. But the up and down nature of his usage mm-hmm. is a concern. The workload absolutely is a concern. I almost think that, you know, like a best case scenario, he's Sean Mania this year. You know, he's one of these guys that throws 110 innings and gets you 122 strikeouts, and he he makes 11 starts. And like you're saying, he makes 36 relief appearances. And, you know, you, you piece it together that way. You also look at the Red Sox, and you've got, you know, Tanner Houck is, I guess, in the rotation now. How many starts is he going to make? you got Cutter Crawford, and who pitched well last year, but he's another youngster. It's, you know, there's a scenario where he starts in the bullpen, Whitlock, and he has to move into the rotation at some point. So I don't know. I like the skills. I think that's the moral of the story. But I don't hear, I mean, what what's his ADP? Let me look this. I didn't even look this up. Whitlock's ADP is 562 yeah. right now at the NFBC. He's not even being drafted. So yeah, if he's your last round pick in a 30-round draft, that's fine. Something to think about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but they just don't have a role. And, and it's like I look at that rotation, Ray, and – Giolito, Pavetta, Bayo, Halk, Crawford. It's like those guys aren't staying healthy either. So Whitlock's going to get yanked every which way again. Right. Um, so, and, and, hey, if you're in an AL only, absolutely. Yeah. Agreed. Take a shot on Garrett Whitlock. Yeah. Mixed leaguers, it's a little difficult. Uh, do check out the article uh, posted, ready to go. It's part of Ray's Draft Guide. You can get it at fantasyguru.com, the post hype sleepers. And make sure to use that promo code FSD20. You get the discount on the guy, discount on the season. Uh, quickly, Ray David in the chat room. Mm-hmm. Christopher Morell mm-hmm. of the Chicago Cubs. Um, he loves to swing for the fences. Like that is a guy who loves the moment. And he he loves to park it. Uh, he's an exciting player. He, he really is. I, I, I don't know if he's a, a consistent enough player. Like when he's hot, it can be red hot. But, Ray, there's a lot of ways for him to fall down like a rabbit hole into to whiffing and heading to the bench and hitting 130 for three weeks at a time. And he weighs like 165 pounds. He's not a he's not a big guy. Um, I think you said it right. I think that <laughs> I'm not going to say he's Joe Adele, but there's a lot of Joe Adele going on here. In the, you know, 32% strikeout rate in year one from Rel, 31% in year two. His batting average is not going to be better than it is. This is what you're going to hit. You're going to hit 240 with that strikeout approach. And the problem is you, you're you right on the edge of being Patrick Wisdom, right? Which <laughs> yeah. your point, it's hot, it's cold, it's hot, it's cold. Yeah. And you go cold and it's like the team starts thinking about, how do we, you know, let's look at the matchup. Is this something we need to worry about? And he, he is someone that's intriguing. Um, he also hasn't hit left-handed pitching in his career to date much at all. I mean, he's batting 219. He'll hit the home run, but still doesn't hit them well. I don't know. I mean, I think he is someone that's, depending upon how your league has him eligible, if he's eligible in the outfield, if he's eligible second base, maybe he's eligible third base in your league. The flexibility is nice. 
but there are holes there and it's going to be a bumpy ride even if he's playing most days. And and the other difficulty is there are still some hitters on the market the Cubs could get involved with. And if they do, that really shifts Morrell out of this lineup. You know, like a guy like Matt Chapman kind of shit, you know, he would get rid of Madrigal. Uh, if they bring Bellinger back, a guy like Bellinger would really eat into Morrell's time. Because they just because, made the because, addition of Michael Bush. Too, yeah, so. Michael Bush eats into yeah. Morrell. So, the, and you would have to think the Cubs are still looking to do some things. Mm-hmm. Morrell's one of those guys, like if you're building a winner, you kind of want because when he's right, boom, he's great for you. He can fill in in a variety of spots. You don't really want him, I don't believe, as an everyday player if you're a contender. That, that would be my guess. He's he's explosive. He's dynamite. Great bench guy. Great utility guy. But you don't really want him as an everyday part of your lineup. I will say, as long as he stays in Wrigley, Ray, he's going to hit 20 home runs. You know, come hell or high water, he'll get 20 home runs in that ballpark. Well, doesn't everyone for the Cubs hit 20 yeah. home runs? I mean, uh, <laughs> not, uh, yeah. not so he, Nick Madrigal, Ray. Not Nick, Nick Madrigal, Madrigal, but hey, but Patrick Wisdom does every year. But yeah, yeah. Nick Madrigal might have 20 career home runs when it's all said and done. We'll see. <laughs> Okay, uh, that'll do it for the baseball, do it for the football, does it for Fantasy Sports Daily. We are back again tomorrow. Uh, We'll get rolling at 11 a.m. Eastern. Uh, More baseball, more football, more running backs as well. Uh, Ray, take care. Fun stuff today, and uh, we'll talk in 23 hours. Sounds like a plan, Kyle. For the man, Ray Flowers, I am Kyle Alfred. Big thanks to you out there following us in uh, live stream land. We'll catch up on Thursday right here with Fantasy Sports Daily, powered by FantasyGuru.com.